Therefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Father, we come to You one more time. We ask that You would bless uh, the teaching and the preaching of Your Word. May You guide and direct our steps this afternoon. And uh, Lord, may the, the time spent here be beneficial not only to our knowledge of Your Word, but, Father, that it would take a, a, uh, a transforming effect in our lives and help us to live more of the way we should uh, for You, that we would be daily becoming more of what You would want us to. Lord, we ask that You would help us to, as we look into a new year, to spend and redouble our efforts and our, uh, our labor at uh, walking with You and spending time with You daily that our fellowship and our closeness and our love for You would grow each and every day. And as we get to the end of this year and look to a new year, if You have continued to tarry Your coming, I pray that You would help us to look back on it as a year of great growth and maturing in our Christian lives, becoming more of what You would want us to be. And so we love You today. We ask that You would help us to draw nearer to You each and every moment of each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to spend a little bit of time this afternoon. I'm going to give you six things, I believe, from Scripture um, that would be considered weights. A lot of times people read this passage in um, Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse 1, and it makes a distinction about between weights and the sin which just so easily beset us. And I've heard some people say this, that while all sin is weight, not all weights are necessarily sin. Uh, and so you can uh, you can parse that as best you want to, and your decision on it might make a, uh, whether you agree with that statement or not. I've just heard that said um, because some people would say this that uh, they would use the passage or the principle in Scripture to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. So anything that would hinder us from running the race with patience that is set before us could probably from that definition be considered still sin. So I don't know if I fully agree with that whole that whole uh, situation, but we don't often consider some things to be sinful things, and yet uh, it, it quite very possibly at the very, at the very best hinders us from living the way that we should. And so we're going to look at several of these things that I believe Scripture teaches us, and uh, we're going to teach you a couple, hopefully some things that will that'll, um, make sense of them and help you to understand them a little bit better. The first one uh, we're going to find that I consider to be uh, something the Scripture teaches as being a weight in our life or something that could potentially hinder us from walking and living the way that we should for the Lord are things that we aspire to, personal goals, personal aspirations, personal um things that we set out there that we're pursuing after. And Paul told us uh, in Philippians that he pressed, he pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That was what he was focused on. That was what he was pressing for. But sometimes we have goals and aspirations. And I think goals and aspirations in and of themselves in our lives are not bad things. I think we ought set goals uh, and, and we ought to have things that we aspire to. And so there, I would say this. I don't know that they are wrong to have until, until or unless uh, they become so controlling over us that they distract us from the race that God has laid before us. 
And when they get to that point, uh, I would say that if we have goals and aspirations, while they can have some good merit in our lives, can also become something that is a weight to us and uh, would cause us perhaps to become distracted from what we should be doing uh, by the way of the Lord. So uh, I would say this, that we need to hold those goals loosely. Uh, And as long as they do not interfere with the Christian life, I think it's okay to have them. What I would caution us and warn us about today is don't let them become weights. Uh, the, the analogy that Paul uses, the, 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 the type of terminology that he's referring to here is he's referring to a race that is run. And that these weights would be things that would slow us or hinder us from running the very best that we can, striving for the goal, striving for the prize. Uh, hold your place there for a minute. And let's look at Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6. Actually, let's go to Colossians 3 first, and then we're going to come back to Matthew 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 6 also, but let's go to Colossians chapter 3 first. Colossians chapter 3. And I believe this is the foundational principle. When considering our goals that we set, I know at the beginning of the year a lot of times people set New Year's and they call them resolutions, which are really nothing more than goals they set for themselves uh, or aspirations they've set for themselves. And... Uh, Let's look at Colossians chapter number 3 and uh, begin in verse number 1. <clears throat> if ye then be risen with Christ, now that's Christians, seek those things. In other words, our desires ought to be the things that hold our focus, that we spend the majority of our time on. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now notice verse 2. Set your affection Not affections, not plural here. We're not talking about multiple affections. We're talking about the main affection, the main thrust, the main driving force of things that we long for in our life. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And so goals, aspirations, they are fine until they become weights. And they become weights when they become the overwhelming priority of the life and not, the, not running the race that God has given to us. And when I say goals and aspirations, I know we can have goals and aspirations uh, regarding spiritual matters. And, of course, we're not speaking of those. We're speaking of personal goals and aspirations. So, for instance, um, I want to set a goal this year to lose 100 pounds, let's say. If that becomes the overwhelming thing and it consumes my heart, it consumes my mind and my thoughts every day, so much so that it detracts me from spending time in the Bible, let's say, or spending time walking with God because I'm, I'm spending eight hours a day exercising or going to classes to learn about nutrition. Uh, and that becomes my overwhelming, my driving force. It now becomes a weight. It now has become a hindrance to my walk with the Lord or my Christian life. And so, again, goals, personal goals and aspirations, when they get to that level, can become a weight in our life. So we've got to be careful of some of those things. Not that having them is wrong in and of themselves, but that they could be brought to bear so much so that in our lives that it detracts us or sidetracks us, gets us off of the race. Matthew chapter 6 is another place I'd like for us to look at with regards to this. Matthew chapter 6, and we quoted this last hour in verse number 33. Jesus is speaking in verse 30. He says, uh, first of all, he starts about, uh, verse 25, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, 
nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. And so he spends the next several verses talking about how God provides these things for the birds and for the, uh, the, the uh, lilies of the field and how they're arrayed. And verse 30 he says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I had a discussion on this a while back because it says here in verse number 31, take no thought, okay, uh, what you shall eat. But the context of this is not saying that you don't ever worry. Uh, this would be the, the, the guy that sits back and never goes to work because he's like, the Lord's going to feed me, he's going to clothe me, he's going to put me in, uh, in the house and take care of me. That is not what this is referring to. Notice that there is some context given in verse number 33. He says, but in contrast to this idea of uh, taking thought of what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink and all that. So in contrast, he says, but seek ye, what's the next word here? First. Okay, so verse 30 is not saying don't ever do it. He's saying don't let it get to the place where it is the all-consuming thing and you put the things of the Lord as a second priority. What he's referring to here is that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. And so the seeking is in an order of priority. We seek first the things of the Lord, and then those things that are necessary for life uh, are the things that we seek secondary and in subjection to, supplemental to, our seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so this, I think, gives the idea of these personal goals and aspirations Nothing wrong with having them, provided that they do not come between your first priority, which is your personal walk with God. You're running that race with patience, the race that is set before you. And to make sure that these goals and aspirations are things that take a second priority to or supplemental to our initial desire or drive in our life to follow after the things of the Lord. The second uh, weight that can become something of a problem to us, are material things. Material things. Again, nothing wrong with uh, wanting to have a house to live in. Nothing wrong with wanting to have um, uh, lawn mowers and tractors and ladies, whatever it is you all like to have. You know, vacuum cleaners, you all love that, don't you, I'm sure. Washing machines, right? No, let's see. Uh, credit cards to go shopping with, okay? Um, nothing wrong with having those things as long as, again, they don't take the priority of your life. That that's what you're, you're spending the vast majority of your life working towards is gaining more and more stuff. Um, look with me in Matthew chapter 6. You're already there to verse number 19. And Jesus speaks on this as well. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so he's saying here, you shouldn't be focused so much on the things that you can gain in this earth. Uh, there's a friend of my dad's 
years ago, and he was a friend of mine for a number of years as well, and uh, we stayed in touch even after my dad passed for a little while. His name was Brother Bob Creel in Sevierville, Tennessee, and Brother Bob Creel was a retired preacher, and uh, he had always had a desire uh, to own a hearse, uh, a funeral hearse, and to put purple flames down the side of it, you know, and uh and the idea that he said, you know, all these years people say, well, you can't take it with you. And uh, so he, he, he finally, one of these days, one, one day, uh, shortly after his wife had passed away, uh, he found a hearse that was for sale and he bought it. And he had a beautiful purple flame uh, paint done on the side of it. And he put rushing towards death. And then he had one of these little bitty bubble trailers, you know, the little two wheels that look like a little bubble um, and he had that painted in the same paint scheme and put taking it with you. And it was a curiosity thing. And he would pull into Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg where there's a lot of novelty things there anyway. And he had a track that was printed up. And the idea being that when people would stop and look at this, oftentimes want to get pictures taken with it, he would present the fact that how ludicrous it was to think that the person that may have been in a coffin in that car would be able to bring the things of this world with them. Because the truth is, we came into this world naked, Job said, and we're not going to take anything out of this world. Uh, so why is it that we spend the vast majority of this world trying to gain things all the time? And that's the thrust of our life. Nothing wrong with working for things. If you have them, that's great. I think God gave us this earth to enjoy. He certainly blessed many of the Old Testament saints. I look at Abraham, who was very wealthy in the eyes of the world because of his faith and his obedience to God. God blessed him. Job certainly was a man uh, like that that was very wealthy. God had blessed him. And nothing wrong with having material things, provided they don't become a weight. Provided they don't get to the place where they take the precedence. My focus, my mind is always on gaining more, gaining more, gaining more. Uh, our, our world has that philosophy. Get what you can, can what you get, and then don't let it get away from you. Keep it. And I remember hearing Brother Randy Casey a number of years ago, he said the, the problem with a lot of Christians is one-foot-itis. And they get a 13-foot boat and they want a 14-foot boat. Then they get a 14-foot boat and they say, if I could just have a 15-foot boat, it would be great. And the thing is, not being uh, satisfied with what you have. And I think if God blesses you, you have material things coming, that's great. Enjoy them, use them, put them to God's use. But it ought not be the main thing that we're, we're pursuing after in life, to lay up a lot of storage or things on this side of heaven. We should be laying up instead things in heaven. It's laying up rewards in heaven. Because this life is a vapor. We're not here for very long. Um, we're just not here for very long. I was talking to Brother Mark after the last service. We just don't have a lot of time. And if I'm going to lay up any kind of treasures, I want it to be something that's going to last for eternity, not something that's going to last for this short period of time on this side of earth. And so be careful of material things. Nothing wrong with them unless they become a weight. And they can become a weight very easily. The third thing, entertainment. Entertainment. Nothing wrong with entertainment unless it becomes a weight. There are times that... uh, in the Old Testament, they were to go to feasts. They were like a family vacation. They would celebrate. They would have a time of entertainment, a time of festivity, a time of lightheartedness, a time of rest. And 
there's nothing wrong with those things, provided, once again, they do not come into contrary nature with the things of the Bible, and that they do not cause us to be so focused on them that they detract us or hurt our spirit uh, and quench the Holy Spirit working in us from running the race with patience. Uh, entertainment the day we live can become very worldly, can become something that stifles our Christian growth. From the type of entertainment that it is to the amount of emphasis we put on that entertainment, all of that comes into bear when it comes to the idea of making it a weight in your life. Does that mean you should never take a vacation? No. But it ought not be the all-consuming thing of our life to be involved with entertainment. That's the problem with a lot of our churches today. They are trying to reach out and minister in a way that assumes that people are bent on the idea of entertainment all the time. And they're fostering that and they're, they're fanning the flames of that. They're actually creating the very weight that God says we ought to, we ought to lay it aside. And let's look in John, 1 John chapter 2, if you will. 1 John chapter number 2. Verse number 15, love not the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so, we ought not to, when it comes to things of entertainment, there ought not to be, first of all, worldly entertainment in any Christian's life. That should go without saying. Our entertainment should never cross that boundary of becoming worldly entertainment. And then the entertainment that is there should not be so all-consuming that it is what we are bent on. We're always bent on having pleasure in our life and time of, of, um, uh, of entertainment, time of amusement. Turn with me to Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17. This is an overriding principle when it comes to pretty much any of these things that we'll mention, but we can certainly apply it to our entertainment as well. Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 17, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, would we say that that includes our entertainment? Certainly. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatsoever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever it is in our lives that we do. Certainly we should not love the world or the things that are in the world, so our entertainment should never be of a worldly format. It should not be the things that are contrary to God's Word that the sinful man, the carnal man, is lusting after and enjoying. It should not be those things. And it should always be something that we can do in the name of the Lord Jesus. And give thanks for it while we're doing it. Uh, to be able to take a family vacation and thank the Lord for the time together, the time of rest, the time of enjoyment. And the entertainment, again, is fine until it becomes a weight. It can become a weight. Number four. Number four. Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. It can hinder us from running the race. It can be a weight. It can slow us down. It can make us timid in doing the things that we're supposed to do, this race that is set before us. 
Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Just back a few pages from Colossians. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I think I wrote a wrong passage down again here. There we go. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 is a typo. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. For God hath not given us a spirit of what? Fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There is a great stability that comes in having this power of the Lord in our lives to be able to know that it's there, to know that we have access to it, to have the love of the Lord Jesus in our hearts, and to have a soundness of mind. And it has a way of driving away the fear, the anxiety that perhaps would come from the things of this world. Um, and so we don't, we don't let fear become uh, a weight. We don't let... I remember, and I've shared with you before, um, how that I believed my senior year of college, God was leading me to start a... Uh, teen uh, youth shelter in the city of uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And God opened the door literally all the way and, and basically threw open the door of opportunity. And I did not walk through the door of opportunity. And to this day, I look back on it. I, I, always, I often wonder. I'm thankful for the ministry God's given me over the years, but I often wonder what would my life had been like had I just trusted Him and gone through those doors of opportunity. Uh, I didn't do it because I was afraid. I was fearful. I had other people, other Christians that were discouraging me from it, telling me it was way too much, way too big. It was more than I could do. And I got fearful. And I allowed it to be a weight in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful God can still use us in spite of those things, aren't you? I'm thankful for the ministry He's allowed me to have over these years. But I often look back to that time and think, I wonder what my life would have been like had I just thrown my faith on Him and said, yes, Lord, I'm doing it. And what it would have been like to just do what God had given, I believe, in that time of my life for me to do. But look also in Philippians chapter 4, if you will, just over a couple of pages. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. We'll begin in verse number 4 as the, the Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. And this idea of careful is literally full of care, anxiety, and worrisome. Uh, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things." It brings great peace to our lives. Fear and anxiety can become a weight in our lives. It can hinder us 
and even stop us completely from doing what we know God has for us to do. I've heard people say, I can't talk to somebody about the gospel message. Why? I'm too afraid. Fear becomes a weight. It keeps us from accomplishing what God has for us to accomplish. God didn't give us that spirit. The spirit of fear comes from our flesh. The spirit of fear comes from things that Satan puts in our hearts and minds. It didn't come from the Lord. The Lord gives us a spirit of boldness. He gives us a spirit of of strength and the idea that we can do all things through Christ which strengthen us. Uh, The fifth thing I want to give you that is a weight that can hinder us from running the race that God has given before us is being a novice at handling God's Word. If we're content at the level of knowledge of Scripture that we have and we don't ever seek to advance that or to uh, know it more, to know it better, to study it, uh, it can become a weight to us when we cannot handle the Word of God well. And by the way, this one I believe goes hand in hand possibly even with the one we just mentioned. The fear in doing the work of the Lord sometimes comes because we don't know how to handle the Word of God well. We don't know how to, how to take the Bible and show somebody from Scripture the gospel message. Look with me in 2 Timothy for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul was instructing Timothy in verse number 15. He says, study to show, 2 Peter 2 and verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be what? Ashamed. When I'm ashamed, is that not a, 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 an instance of anxiety or fear in my life? I'm embarrassed to do it. I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed when it comes to standing before Him one day, rightly dividing the word of truth. Being a novice at handling the word of God can be a weight to a Christian. We know that the Bible has taught us over and over again that we're to be teaching, we're to be learning, we're to be studying, we're to be proclaiming and declaring the doctrine of God's Word. We're living in a world today where churches are departing from the Word of God. Literally, it's at, it's at epidemic proportions now. We're talking about churches that, if there's, if there's 50 churches in the city, you go, to, you go to 48 of them, you're not going to find one that teaches the, the Bible correctly. You might go to 49, you might in some cities go to 50 of them and not find one that teaches the Word of God at least with a heart to have right doctrine. We're living in a world where people don't want to tolerate doctrine. They don't want to tolerate the teaching of God's Word. They want, to, they want to fit into society and then attend church so they can feel good that they've done their spiritual duty for the week. And they don't want to, be, they don't want to hear from the pulpit how that the way they're living along the, lives, along the lines of society is wrong. And we're suffering the... the, the consequences of people who have been content with being a novice at handling God's Word. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the best at it or the most professional at it, but there ought to be a deep burning desire in each of our hearts to know the Word of God more. 
There ought to be it ought to be a constant hunger and thirst for it. It ought to be something that we 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 don't have to read the Bible, we get to. I don't have to study scripture, I get to. I, I long for it. I want to know more about it. I want to when somebody asks me a question about the Lord, I don't want to sit there embarrassed and say, I'm sorry, I don't know. I want to be able to take them to the Word of God and say, Let me show you some things from Scripture. Being a novice at handling God's Word is a weight that needs to be laid aside. We need to study it. We need to learn it. And the last one is acquaintances can be a weight. Acquaintances can be a weight. Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, if you will. Verse number 1, the church at Galatia was a pretty good church. They had, they had some things that were going on, and, and Paul was trying to exhort them and to bring some reproof in some areas. But in chapter 5, he begins the chapter saying this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For if I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law, uh, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you is justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And so <coughs> what was happening is a burden was being put on new converts that they needed to be circumcised as part of their salvation experience and that this was a legalistic thing that they were holding them to both faith and obedience to the law. And Paul says, we got to correct this. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. And he speaks of this yoke of bondage being the bondage of the law that they were free from. When Jesus saved them, we're not under the law anymore. I'm thankful the law is there. It teaches us. It's our schoolmaster. But I am not bound under it. I don't have to keep the law to go to heaven. I simply have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to follow after the law as much as I can because I know it pleases God. It teaches us about His moral conditions. But as we get to verse number 7, He says, Ye did run well. Notice this. What's the next three-letter word? Who? He didn't say what. He said, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? Now, there are plenty of what's out there that will hinder us from not obeying the truth. But I will say this, the Bible's very clear, numerous passages, that we've got to be careful of who our acquaintances are. In this case... There were some people that were hindering the church at Galatia from following after the truth that they had been taught. And can I say lastly that our acquaintances can become a weight. And so it would do us well from time to time to evaluate our acquaintances. Who it is that we associate with and, 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 and fellowship with and spend time with. 
Are we allowing them <coughs> to hinder us from the race that is set before us? Six things that can be a weight. This is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure there are others in Scripture. But at least six that we're aware of at this point that can be hindrances to us. Personal goals and aspirations. If we allow them to take utmost priority in our lives, they'll be a weight. Material things. If that becomes the main focus and drive in our life, that's a weight. Entertainment. If it's worldly or if it becomes an overwhelming focus of our lives, it can become a weight. Fear, anxiety, worry is a weight. Being a novice at handling the Word of God skillfully, not able to handle it skillfully, is a weight. It hinders us from accomplishing this, this race that's before us. And then acquaintances. Acquaintances. Not all of them are, but we need to consider them and weigh them against how they're either helping me and drawing me closer to the Lord, or whether they are hindering me and drawing me further away from the Lord. And those that would draw us further away, those that would hinder us from the truth, we need to disassociate with. doesn't mean you can't be friendly toward them, but don't be their best friends. Don't hang out with them. Don't be going places they're going, dealing with the same lifestyle that they're dealing with. 